I'm Samantha Goldman, and you're listening to the Food Explorers Podcast. As a parent, I know you dream of your child having a happy and healthy relationship with food. But I also know how exhausting and confusing it can be when your child just won't eat. In my background as an occupational and feeding therapist, I've helped hundreds of families both in and out of the hospital bring the magic back into mealtime and development. And I want to help you do that too. In this podcast, I give you the full scoop on the tools and tips you need to start helping your child confidently explore new foods while having fun. Please be advised that this is not medical or therapy advice and is just for general and informational knowledge. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to episode number 34 of the Food Explorers podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I can't wait to help you better get to know and understand the sensory system and how this affects you or your child at the table and throughout the day. Today, we're exploring a really interesting topic, sensory diets and sensory toolboxes. You may have come across the term sensory diet in your occupational therapy sessions or during your research on sensory needs. It's a term often used to describe a personalized set of sensory strategies designed to help keep our bodies in a state of optimal organization. But then you may have also stumbled upon another term, the sensory toolbox. These two terms are often used interchangeably, and it can feel confusing to determine which one will benefit you or your child. Today, we're going to unpack the difference between these two approaches and understand how they can benefit us. Let's start by discussing the concept of the just right temperature for our sensory system. Picture it as a thermometer. When the temperature is neither too hot nor too cold, we feel comfortable, just right. Our sensory system operates in a similar way. Too much sensory input can make us feel overstimulated and hot, while too little can leave us feeling cold or understimulated. Sensory diets were initially developed to help individuals maintain their just right state by incorporating strategic sensory activities throughout the day. It is widely accepted that this term was coined by Patricia Wilbarger. But for the life of me, I really could not find where she introduced it. It appears to be in a book chapter in 1984, which is wild how long ago it was. But that book is not available except in specific medical libraries, which I don't have access to. So apologies here. However, in a later article in 1995, that Patricia co-authored, they state that the concept of a sensory diet is based on the idea that persons require a certain amount of activity and sensation to be alert, adaptable, and skillful. It should be designed to fit the person's sensory needs, interests, and lifestyles, and that can be incorporated into the daily living routines. So essentially, she based this on the idea that to function our best, we as humans need a certain amount of sensory input to learn and be our best. And this sensory input should be tailored to our needs and be easily incorporated into our lives. And so began the sensory diet. It's similar to thinking of a food diet. Not a diet as in cutting calories, but diet as how we need foods and specific types of foods to help our bodies be their healthiest. A sensory diet is comprised of offering your body sensory experiences and input to help you feel your best. Now, I don't know if this is how they were meant to be. Again, I couldn't find the origin, 
but in the past 10 years, sensory diets have tended to follow a more rigid structure with specific activities assigned to particular times a day. For example, 7 a.m., wake up and snuggle on the couch with the blanket before school. 8 a.m., incorporate a heavy work activity before leaving for school. 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., use a wiggle seat at school, encourage the teacher to offer movement breaks. 4 to 5 p.m., engage in swinging after school. 5 to 5.30 p.m., chase bubbles before dinner. 7 p.m., end the day with a soothing bath and gentle music. These are usually much more in-depth, but you get the idea. While this model can be helpful, it fails to consider the fact that our bodies are not the same every single day. Just like how we might wake up craving a slow morning one day and feel energized and ready the next, children experience similar variations. And so often parents would become disheartened when they would try to offer these sensory strategies and their child just became upset or even more dysregulated. And that's where the concept of the sensory toolbox came into play. In the sensory toolbox, we compile a comprehensive list of both mental and physical tools and strategies that can be utilized to help the body return and maintain its just right temperature. This approach allows for greater flexibility and adaptability based on how our body is different in every moment. However, it's crucial to develop an understanding of your own body or your child's body in order to identify the current sensory state accurately. This understanding will help you choose the most appropriate strategies from the toolbox. So how do we go about learning and identifying where our bodies are in any given moment? Well, it starts with gaining a deeper understanding of the sensory system itself. Our sensory system comprises various elements, such as touch, taste, smell, sight, hearing, and more. By observing and reflecting on these sensory experiences, we can begin to recognize patterns and cues that indicate whether the body needs more, less, or different sensory input. For example, if you notice that certain sounds or bright lights tend to make you feel overwhelmed or hot, it could be a sign that you need to engage in calming activities or seek quieter environments. On the other hand, if you find yourself feeling sluggish or cold, incorporating activities that provide more sensory input, such as physical movement or turning on the lights might be beneficial. Remember, every individual is unique and what works for one person may not work for another. The key is to experiment and explore different sensory strategies until you find what resonates best with your sensory needs or the needs of your child. Of course, the absolute best way to do this is with the care of an occupational therapist. Let's dive deeper into what a sensory toolbox might look like in practice. For example, let's say you notice that your child becomes jittery and excited, perhaps after a busy day at school or during a high energy event. You've observed that they tend to calm down when they have the opportunity to release that energy. In this case, one tool you might include in your sensory toolbox is jumping on a trampoline. When your child engages in this physical activity, it helps them achieve proprioceptive and vestibular input to regulate their sensory system and find a sense of calm. On the other hand, if you notice that your child is feeling sleepy and a bit cranky, you've observed that they tend to do better after some quiet and relaxation. In this scenario, a tool you might have in your sensory toolbox is allowing them some time on the couch to cuddle. This gentle and comforting activity helps them unwind, regulate their sensory input, and recharge their energy. Remember, a sensory toolbox can consist of both physical and mental strategies. It's important to consider activities that engage different senses, such as touch, movement, visual stimuli, or even deep pressure. 
Some other examples of tools you might include in your sensory toolbox can be engaging in deep breathing exercises to promote relaxation and focus, providing a blanket or wrap to provide deep calming pressure, using noise-canceling headphones to reduce auditory stimulation in noisy environments, creating a cozy and quiet sensory corner at home where your child can retreat and recharge, and incorporating fidget toys or stress balls to provide tactile and proprioceptive input and help with focus. These are just a few examples. The possibilities are really endless. The key is to observe and understand the specific sensory needs of yourself or your child, and then curate a toolbox of strategies that can be assessed whenever those needs arise. By having a range of tools at your disposal, you'll be equipped to respond to different sensory states and provide the necessary input to help your body or your child's body return to that just right temperature. Remember, it's all about finding what works best for you or your child and embracing the flexibility and adaptability that a sensory toolbox offers. But let's also discuss the importance of incorporating sensory activities regularly, even when the body may seem in sync. It's crucial to understand that many individuals, especially children, do require specific sensory input every day to feel their best and maintain a balanced state. For instance, you may notice that your child performs better at school when you incorporate physical activity in the morning. By engaging them in activities that provide movement and sensory input early in the day, you're setting a foundation for their optimal sensory functioning. It helps them regulate their energy levels, enhance their focus, and promote a sense of overall well-being. The idea isn't to wait for signs of dysregulation or sensory overload before implementing strategies. We'd like to be proactive with our approach. By understanding how our bodies tick and recognizing the sensory needs of ourselves or our children, we can integrate sensory activities into our daily routines as a preventative measure, kind of like that sensory diet. But with the sensory toolbox, it's also about identifying when those strategies you use may not be what your child needs in that moment. The truth is, it really doesn't matter what the name is so much as how you use it. A sensory diet can be great, and so can a sensory toolbox. Personally, I think they're one and the same when used correctly. But first, you need to understand the sensory system. And that's where I'd love to help. In the Food Explorers membership, I drop a new sensory masterclass every single quarter that helps educate you on the sensory system and identify yours and your child's personal sensory needs, quirks, and strategies. When you join the membership, not only do you get access to our sensory masterclasses, you also unlock access to monthly bite-sized private podcast trainings about our featured food of the month, food activities specifically designed to help you introduce and explore new foods in a fun way, access to our food library, which contains all past activities for reference, a comprehensive training library with recorded sessions on mealtime structure, choosing the right foods for your child, and more our mealtime handbook, providing answers to your latest mealtime struggles and questions. And here's the most exciting bonus. You'll now receive unlimited access to all my future digital products as long as you remain an active member. And you get all this for only $19.99 a month. But to sweeten this even more, because you know I love me some sprinkles, I'm excited to announce that I'm currently offering a special discount of 25% off your first month in the Food Explorers membership. This means when you join and use the code SPRINKLES at checkout, 
you'll pay just $14.99 for your first month. Don't miss out on this opportunity as it's a limited time offer. Go to www.drsamgoldman.com forward slash food dash explorers dash membership and take that first step to making introducing new foods fun and exciting. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Food Explorers podcast, a podcast about helping your child learn to become a confident and happy eater. If you love this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, or leave a review wherever you are listening. This helps parents just like you find this podcast and start bringing the magic back into mealtime. Thanks again for joining me today, and I'll see you next time.